Welcome back to another edition, my little truffle hunters. Tonight's episode should be no surprise if you pay attention to the posts on Instagram or my PSAs or the end of podcast um, information tidbits. Tonight's episode is the just-released movie, Don't Worry, Darling, starring Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Olivia Wilde, Nick Kroll, Gemma Chan, Dakota Johnson, and Chris Pine. Uh, this movie is, it's, uh, it's Olivia Wilde's second directorial uh, effort. Her first movie, of course, being the very, very funny and and smarter than a whip uh, movie, Booksmart, which everybody affectionately loves to title as um, the female version of um, Superbad. But it's so much more than the female version of Superbad. It's way more than the female version of Superbad. Booksmart is unto itself its own movie that may have characters that act in certain circumstances like Seth and Evan, but they couldn't be further apart from each other. Um, With her second directorial effort, she crafts a paranoid thriller slash horror movie in Don't Worry Darling. And the first thing, you know, I, I know that my mission statement here at Entertainment Beyond, our mission statement, I should say, is to go beyond your wildest hopes and dreams and entertainment. And in doing such, as I'm always bragging about peeking around said curtains and and what have you, um, there has been a lot of behind-the-scenes drama. Um, You know, one of my notes I wrote down, uh, knowing what I know about the the behind-the-scenes drama, I would have liked to have seen what Shia LeBeau would have done in the male lead role. And there's there's tit-for-tat details, you know. According to Miss Wilde, Shia LeBeau's acting style wasn't conducive to the safety and mental health of Florence Pugh. And because Hollywood and, and movie junk, press junkets and whatnot entail a lot of um, manipulation, we may never know exactly what was going on. But then there's a side that Shia is telling where he's, you know, said that he quit the movie because Olivia Wilde was, you know, pretty much busy, you know, fucking Harry Styles in her trailer. Or, you know, his words, not mine. Um, So, and and there's recording, audio recording of Olivia Wilde begging Shia LeBeau not to leave the male lead role and uh, to stick around or whatever. And so knowing all that, uh, just going into this movie, I was really curious because it is it, it is a well-written movie you know and I'm I've been a fan of Shia's and uh, since even Stevens you know it's it's a shame what Hollywood does to people who get into the business at a young age so too many predators to count and a lot of the child actors who come up in the system of Hollywood don't end up leading well-adjusted, normal lives. They 
it, it, it fucking shatters them and and whatnot. Uh, interestingly enough, though, I'm not sure exactly what all him, Shia would have, you know, well, one, Shia is a legit actor, whereas Harry Styles is not. He's just a somewhat decent-looking dude who apparently sings, but I've never heard any of his music. And uh, the reason I'm saying that is because the, the lead male character isn't seen. It This is a almost a one-woman show, and the the full weight of the movie rests on the shoulders of Miss, Miss, Miss Florence Pugh. And uh, speaking of Miss uh, Pugh, uh, she continues with each new role she takes to be an actor whose star has no ceiling, apparently has no ceiling. At only 26 years old, she hasn't even begun to peak, and I don't think she's ever going to. She is a light in a dark room. She is a strong gust of wind on a sunny day at the beach. And that's a good thing, in my opinion, that that metaphor. She is just, she is a force. She's a pure fucking force. She she fucking dazzles. She's dazzled me from the first moment I laid eyes on her in midsummer. She dazzled as Yelena, Blolo, Yelena Belova. Um, anything that this woman does, I just, I'm blown the fuck away, man. I'm hats, shoes, hats, socks, and shoes off to Miss Florence Pugh. And it's amazing that only 26, she's got such a, a force of nature to herself. And she's super affable. I would so love to meet her in real life. But, you know, if I only ever get to know her through the movie screen, I can see there's just certain people. Like I talked in, in yesterday's podcast about Kiki Palmer and her affability. And even though she takes on different roles, it's just she's got that way about her that you can't deny that she has to be one of the coolest, nicest, sweetest fucking people, just one of the most awesome people to, you know, be around her or get to witness. Um, This movie takes a minute. Sorry. This movie takes a minute to get the ball rolling. Um, But very, very early on, you get uh, this this film giving off strong Stepford vibes uh, and themes, you know, themes of brainwashing and the needs of man to control women which is i don't know why most of us just haven't gotten this you know by now this the era where we can just have women sit around and and wait on us hand and foot and cook and clean for us and and basically essentially be our mothers even though they're supposed to be our wives and our partners that era is over and it's never coming back and we need to let go of the the um the need and the lust to control women you know i am i am myself personally i am of the mind that in a lot of cases women are our betters our superiors you know you don't see men walking around birthing babies women do and and continue to do and have continued to do from the dawn of time until the end of time time amazing fucking things and like I was telling 
my friend Rita the other day, it baffles me because we all came from a woman. All of us came from a woman, you know? I could I could re- repeat the, the verse from that Tupac song, um, but to, to what avail? Because most of the male population won't ever fucking get it. And uh, yeah, I kind of went off on a, on a tangent. Uh, but it's got it's got strong, creepy Stepford vibes, and the themes of brainwashery and manipulation and control are there from from the very beginning. Only only a doofus wouldn't be able to pick up on on those themes. Uh, and speaking of picking up on things, or not picking up on things. While I, I don't care personally about uh, what Olivia Wilde does when not directing a movie, what she does in her personal life is uh, doesn't affect me at all, has no fucking bearing on how I live my life. But I really, truly think it was a terrible idea for her to cast her boyfriend. Harry Styles sucks at acting. I'm just going to say it. I don't think it was a brilliant idea, you know, as I said. Um, His only other acting credit that I am aware of, I may be wrong, but the only other acting credit that uh, he has is a Marvel post-credit stinger. You know, seems like a major miscast. His American accent is just his regular British accent, barely toned down. Um... He he sucks ass. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry to be so negative on somebody, but this is, you know, you can't just go into every movie or every TV show and just, oh, I love it, I loved it, I loved it, I loved it. Because it's humanly not possible to just love everything. You're going to bump into things that you hate. And again, like I said before, I would have, you know, every time he came on screen, I just think we could have got Shia LaBeouf in this, this, this role. And I think because Shia has such a a a powerful nature to him, it, it would have been better than a guy who has has he ever taken a fucking acting class? You know, that's that's the part of acting is you're supposed to disappear behind a role. You're not just supposed to be yourself, dressed in a character's clothing. Uh, I my my unprofessional opinion, not being an actor myself, is that a Harold should, you know, at least take, at least attend one acting class or stick to his subpar music career because this, you know, and people probably out there and be like, he was great as Eros, Thanos' brother. I was like, yeah, because he said two lines and tossed a fucking apple around Why a poorly digitally um, created uh, satyr or goat man walked behind him. That's not acting. That's appearing for a few seconds. I mean, technically, by credits, standards and wise, that he, he acted, but you can't say that off of nothing, you know. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the movie too much. I'm just going to, I, I got bullet points about the things that I liked and things that I didn't like of the movie. And, uh, one of the other actors who actually had shared the screen in that post-credit stinger with Harold Styles was actor Gemma Chan. And uh, 
again, this is another person. I, 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 I try not to make it sound like objectification when I'm saying these things, but I find Gemma, Miss Chan, uh, she is such a lovely and warm presence. She has, it's something weird, you know, getting up there in my older years, I'm able to pick up on people's energies, which if you would have asked me about that when I was in my 20s, I would have told you you're fucking weird and that sounds bizarre and lame. But she is, uh, she has this weird, and in a good way weird, she has a, a certain charm, a warmth that gives a feeling of safety and security. And I, I, I don't think, you know, it doesn't really matter to me what she stars in, what she's acting in or, or whatnot. She's always going to, she just, and it radiates from the eyes for me. She, she just, she's the, that, um, that life jacket in the middle of a raging storm in the middle of the sea. You know what I'm saying? She is that, that thing that can center you and she's just got that nature about her. And, and, and it also doesn't hurt that she is very, very beautiful, but it's more so just the, the presence and the feeling that I get from her, you know, that she is just one hell of a person with one hell of a soul and personality. And speaking of being one hell of a person, you know, I, I feel at this point, I'm just, you know, taking my hat off to the actors of Chris Pine, right? We talk about Chris Pine for a minute. I've, I've been dying all day to talk to you about Chris Pine. Dude, man, he, uh, speaking of interesting people, uh, Christopher Pine came across my, uh, my, my movie viewing experience with, I believe the first time I experienced Chris Pine's acting was Star Trek. And, you know, <laughs> if you're someone my age in their 30s or above, you, uh, your, your Captain Kirk was William Shatner. And so when I heard that they were casting a new Captain Kirk for the longest time, I was just like, ah, there's no, there's no way he's gonna, is he gonna like emulate Bill? Is he gonna do his own thing? And he, did, he ended up doing his own thing. And Chris Pine, uh, he, to me, to me, he's a very interact, interesting actor to watch. And uh, in this movie, specifically, uh, while he is more, his character seems to be more of the wizard behind the curtain slash puppet master of this film, any time that he is on screen, he seems to exude a simmering sense of foreboding, which for those who don't know what that word mean, means, it is a... Um, means a sense of danger, badness, chaos, whatever you may have. He does that, but he does it in a way that is tastefully artistic. You you know that this, this guy is kind of a piece of shit, a dirtbag, and that there's more going on, you know, there's more to him and something definitely going on beneath the thinly the thin veneer and the and the the smile the mask that he's wearing you know the face behind the face so to speak uh he is it's it's very odd you know this movie posits that the men are the most important but you only 
you you rarely ever see them. And his character is supposed to be this this mysterious 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 character that's um, hard to obtain a uh, a meeting with him or anything like that. You've got all the other men in this movie kissing this this character's ass and acting like beta like like soy boy beta cucks and uh but he has again i i'm just telling you my opinion of how i felt about the movie there's so many actors that olivia wilde was able to coax into being in this film and she picked all these perfect little chess pieces that all have this this force and nature about them that uh it just blows me away and uh Speaking of being blown away, um, the third act twist is uh, when I, d- I discussed earlier that I had, I had sensed themes, Stepford themes of mind control. Uh, when you get to third act twist, uh, the third act twist proves that the vibe of my theory about mind control was correct. The third act twist is shocking and disgusting it's a very it's one of the more disgusting revelations of a third act twist that i've ever experienced in cinema and again my hat socks and shoes are off to miss olivia wilde because i just i knew that it wasn't going to be something where it was going to be straight straight across the bow in terms of what was really going on i knew that it was going to be um a manipulation of sorts that it was going to be there was going to be something else going on the whole time i didn't i for the life of me i swear to god hand on the bible i never fucking imagined that what would end up being the situation would end up being that situation if that makes any sense i'm trying to be uh as vague as possible so that you guys can Enjoy the movie for yourself. I'm sure at a later date, I might want to come back and discuss a full spoiler-free podcast. Um, at a later date, once the movie's been out for a couple of uh, couple of days or a couple of weeks, I might come back and talk about, get more in-depth with things, you know? If this movie had already been out and I'd given you guys a chance to see it, um, then I would, I would, you know, jump in full dangle, but being as it's only been out for, officially it's only been out for one day, unofficially it's been out for two days because they have the Thursday night premiere, I would really get in there and get deep in the guts. Like, I, I love, you know, because I love getting deep in those guts. That's <laughs> a dirty joke. Um, oh, because I know you guys are always like, what the where is that unofficial sponsor and a bit of synergy since this movie is from Warner Brothers and I just downloaded and started playing um what's it called multiverses which is a concoction a medley of every uh licensed character from Warner Brothers Studios this movie today is unofficially brought to you by multiverses Warner Brothers multiverses or whatever the fuck they call it you can have it's a super smash brothers uh, brawler type uh, uh, side scroller 2D platform 3D whatever deal where you can have characters like Batman face off against characters like Arya Stark or in 
the match that I had, I played as Morty from Rick and Morty, and I whipped the shit out of the Iron Giant from the Iron Giant movie. You can have Wonder Woman go against Harley Quinn. I'm hoping that with more updates and more updates. I also had Morty go against the Tasmanian Devil, but I'm hoping if they're planning to include every character from the Warner Brothers catalog, I want to see motherfucking Larry David versus someone like, I don't know, Neo from the Matrix movies. But this is all possible in multiverses. Um, so today's episode is brought to you by multiverses. It's free to play on any platform. I have it enabled so I can do cross-platform. So a lot of the people that I played against, had matches against, were playing on PC. It seems like this game is very popular on PC and and Xbox with not a lot of love for people and PlayStation, but that's my platform of choice. So if you've got a video game system, if you like games like uh, Super Smash Brothers, Brawl, or, or Ultimate, or any of those brothers who love to smash, then give Multiverses a try. I promise you, you will not regret it, even though it seems very gimmicky. Um, but anyways, I think, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up this podcast uh, because I'm keeping it spoiler light and just kind of decided to focus on bullet points and things that I liked and things that I didn't like. Um, I think we'll wrap it up. I should also say, I almost forgot about him, but I didn't forget about you, Nicholas. Nicholas Crawl. I've been a fan of his ever since the league and the character he played on that. He is, it's always amazing to me how most of us, myself included, seem to discount that just because someone dabbles more so in comedy that they are not capable of doing super serious and weighted dramatic acting and nick crawl does he plays a very assholeish and and quite a creepy and unsettling character but i again i love it you know we should we should stop making assumptions that people who have super comedic chops aren't capable of being anything more than funny you know it's unfair to because that's that's one of the talents of acting is that you should be able to dip in and out of genres and it shouldn't affect you that's that's the mark in my opinion of a true actor is being able to to bend never break but bend into different you know styles and scenarios and um Anyways, lady, like, ladies, uh, anyways, my little truffle hunters, as we've come to say for the last four years, in the immortal words of Ron Burgundy, keep it classy and stuff it down with brown. In, and in the non-immortal words of Jensen, the beautiful and majestic motherfucking Dean Jackson, stuff it down with a whole lot of brown. And when I say brown, I'm not talking about heroin. I'm not talking about dirt weed or just mud. I'm talking about low to top shelf, preferably whiskey because ladies and gentlemen, I'm in my fucking mid thirties. I'm not some dirty old bastard and I hate scotch. So stuff it down with whiskey. But if you're, if you're a scotch person, no judgment here, bro, the just stuff it down with brown and I'll catch you on the next one. Peace.